Hello, everyone. We are halfway through our study already on being clothed with strength. Can you believe that? And today we're going to talk about being uh, clothed with courage. Now, we just talked in a previous lesson about being clothed with confidence. And in that lesson, confidence was defined as the firm belief that you can rely on someone or something. So really, confidence relies on certainty. Courage, on the other hand, is to thrive in uncertainty. In fact, you could say that in order to have confidence, you had to have first had courage. You have to have the courage to step into uncertainty before the certainty, the confidence can develop. David had to fight the lion and the bear in the wilderness while tending sheep. That required courage that helped him develop the confidence that he needed to take on Goliath. So today we're gonna to talk about courage, looking at the story of Joshua. And Joshua was given what seems like just an impossible command because God told Joshua that he was not to be afraid or discouraged without courage at all. Now stop for a moment and just think, what would your reaction be if God asked that of you? You can't be afraid. You can't be discouraged. And it's a question that we all have to answer because the truth is, God is asking that of you. Do you know the number one command in the Bible is fear not? It's the most frequent command given in the Bible. It is not love your neighbor. It is not live holy. It's stop being afraid because free, fear is crippling. It's costing us. Now, this semester, we've been focusing on Proverbs 31.25. You could probably all quote it by now. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. So being clothed with strength means living a life with no fear, with no discouragement. It's the same life that Joshua was commanded to live. So let's take a look at his story. We'll go to Joshua chapter 1. Verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right, and then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In that one passage, God told Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. So let's take a look at these two words, strength and courage. Strength means firmness. It's solidity or toughness. It's the quality by which we can sustain the application of force without breaking or yielding. It is power or vigor of any kind. Courage is bravery or a quality of the mind that enables us to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. It is valor 
boldness, resolution. All right, so you could say then that strength measures how strong you are and courage measures how strong your mind is. Strength speaks to your ability. Courage speaks to your willingness to use that ability. So think for a moment, if you will, of a soldier. A soldier is trained to, uh, for, with all of the ability that they will need to fight a battle. That happens in training. That develops strength, but then the training ends. And that soldier is called upon to use that training in real life, in a battle. That will require courage. Let's bring it a little closer to home. If I, if I was somebody that you could say could lead a person to the Lord, I knew all the appropriate verses, I could answer typical questions that would come up, I could explain all the concepts, then you could say I have the ability to share the gospel. This is a strength. But if I won't cross my street and talk to my lost neighbor, then I lack courage. Courage involves risk, and risk is difficult for us to embrace. Minion McLaughlin said, courage can't see around the corners, but goes around them anyway. See, Joshua wouldn't be able to see around the corners, but God said, go around them anyway. And when God commanded this of Joshua, do you know, this wasn't his first rodeo. He was already a proven leader. He had been a leader in his tribe, so Moses chose him to be one of the 12 spies that went and spied out the promised land 40 years prior to this. And Moses said to those spies in Numbers 13, 20, he said, be of good courage. All right, Joshua obeyed that command. He was courageous. He was one of the two spies who came back without a bad report, and that's why he was one of two people of his whole generation who was still alive when they got back to the promised land 40 years later. He was also a military leader. He had been courageous in battle many times before this. So when we get to Joshua chapter 1, we're not talking about a novice getting his very first instructions. And nevertheless, even so, what did God say to Joshua? Be strong. Be courageous. See, we never outgrow the need for courage because our God delights in calling us up a little higher in pushing us out of our comfort zone, getting us to go past our current level of confidence. See, he wants his people to embrace a life of faith, which requires sometimes risk, uncertainty. He wants us to go around corners when we don't know what's there. All right, now oftentimes when we think of needing courage, we think of daunting circumstances, trials, things that are scary to us. And, you know, that certainly was true of Joshua. There was a real-life enemy in that promised land that he was told to, to possess. There were giants there that had to be contended with. There were definitely trials to face. But, you know, courage is not just for trials. There are times many believers who are currently enjoying a trial-free life, but they're stagnant. See, God wants them to go around a corner but they won't go because they don't know what's there. They lack the courage to take that ground. Bill Johnson said this. He said, I don't know that there has ever been a time when courage and faith were more needed. Not because of the darkness, but because of the realm of God's promises that linger over the church, just waiting for someone to see it, believe it, and say yes to what could be. See, so courage is needed to apprehend God's promises. It takes courage to believe. It, we have to be willing 
to go around some corners when we don't know what's there. So now maybe you're someone who could say that you're in a trial. And when you look at your life, all you can see are reasons to be full of fear, full of doubt. Um, maybe there are giants in your promised land, an enemy there that needs to be dispossessed. And if that's you, I say to you, only be strong and very courageous. Now maybe you could say, you know what, my life's going pretty well right now. Everything is really fine, except for this nagging feeling that I have that God wants to stir up my comfortable life. Maybe you're someone who could say that, that you can't get away from the thought that there's more, that there is a realm of God's promises just lingering over you, waiting for you to notice it, to believe it, and to say yes to it. And if that is you, I say to you, only be strong and very courageous. Now, for us to make this decision to be courageous, we're going to have to have something solid to stand upon, because if we just get the courage from inside of ourselves, it's not going to be enough. We'll never follow through on it. Now, God told Joshua to lead the people into the promised land with strength and bravery. And as we read through that passage, we really could see two foundational truths that would enable Joshua to obey this command. One was God's promise, and the other was his presence. All right, so let's look first at the promises God made to Joshua. Going back to Joshua 1, verse 3. It says, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Then we get to verse 6, which says, be strong and of good courage. See, so God promised Joshua success in every place and for all of his life, and then he asked for the courage. God is not asking you for baseless courage. He gave you promises in, your, in his word that you can stand upon. This is something solid that we can place our courage in. Now, we talk about it so often in sisterhood, but you've got to know what God said about your situation. Because when you know what he promised you, courage is a whole lot easier to have. All right, now, courage is also based on God's persistent presence. So again, let's go back to Joshua 1, verse 5. We just read it. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And then verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So God said, Joshua, you're not going alone. I'm, I'm with you. I'll be there. And you know what? He made you the same promise. Let's look at two verses, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And of course, Hebrews 13, 5, we all know this one. He himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, these are not just nice sentiments that God made to make you feel better. These are truths that you can live by. God is with you. Let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Really, God is here. He was with you when you came into this room today. He's going to be with you when you walk out. 
He was with you when you woke up this morning. He'll be with you all day long. He's going to be with you when you go to sleep at night. How often are we really aware of him? How often do we acknowledge his presence? See, God is with you. That doesn't mean he's an observer of your life. It means he's a participant in your life. See, he's not watching you like Santa Claus. He's watching over you. He's not evaluating you. He's helping you. How would your life really change if you lived more aware that the God of the universe is with you and that he's your friend? So, you know, you've got God's promises in his word and you have God's presence with you always. Same thing Joshua had. Same foundation for being fearless that Joshua had. And that means that you're capable of the same courage that Joshua had. You've got the same, same foundation. And that means you really can live a life where you laugh without fear of the future. Now, I think everyone here would say that they'd like that. I'd love to have more courage. But how do we get it? You know, if it was as easy as just saying, I'll take more courage, please, we would all be set, we'd be ready, we'd all be laughing, I wouldn't be teaching this lesson right now. But there's a little more to it than that, so let's talk about some things that we need to know if we really want to be courageous. The first thing you must do is trust God, not self. Alexander McLaren said, only he who can say, the Lord is the strength of my life, can say, of whom shall I be afraid? Now, if your courage comes from somewhere inside of you, your courage is going to fail you. But if your courage comes from trusting God, it will never fail you. Never. Uh, Psalm 20, 6 through 8, David said, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer from his holy hill, from his holy heaven, with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen but we have risen and stand upright. Now, in the time David said this, chariots and horses, they symbolized security. A cavalry provided a huge advantage in a battle. But David recognized that really God was the greater advantage. He said, you know what? Other people can trust those things, but not us. We're going to remember that God is our victory. Now, today we have natural defenses of our own, resources that we make use of when we need to, Things like doctors and lawyers and bankers and other experts in different areas. And we can make use of those resources. There is nothing wrong with those things. Just like there's nothing inherently wrong with a chariot or a horse. The problem comes in when we begin to put our trust in those resources. Instead of remembering that victory ultimately lies with the Lord. Our trust has to be placed in him. And then when our trust is placed in him, he will direct us to the resources he would have us use. Everything is in the right and proper alignment that way. All right? So trust God. Don't trust yourself and don't trust others. All right. Second thing we need to know if we want to have courage is you must wear your armor and stand your post. Now, in order to do this, I have to know what my armor is and where my post is. See, I don't want to be fighting the wrong battle using the wrong resources. Now, it's easy for me to do that, to fall into fighting the wrong battle, because my battles look very natural to me. So my tendency then is to focus on what I can see. But the truth of the matter is, our battles are mainly spiritual. And that's what Paul said 
Look at Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. Paul said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then Paul goes on to list this armor. If you read the passage, he said that it's made up of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. None of that armor is natural. In fact, natural armor would be absolutely useless in the battle that we fight. Paul said our enemy is principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. What good is natural armor going to do? All right, so then how do we fight such an enemy? Well, listen to what he said. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 20 says, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. Now let's look at this here. This word perdition means punishment or damnation. So what Paul is saying here is that every time you get victory over fear, you are essentially showing the enemy proof that they are doomed. That's amazing. Your courage speaks that message to them. And not only that, Paul also said that when you are not terrified, you are showing proof to yourself of your salvation, of your deliverance, of your victory. See, again, the battle is spiritual. So when you refuse to be terrified, you stand in your situation and you say, I will not fear, no matter what your adversary is trying to get you worked up about. You're fighting the right battle at the right, in the right way with the right armor. And the funny thing is, to you, it might look like nothing is happening. In the natural, you still see the same things that should be causing fear in you. But when you just stand your post and you wear your armor, there is a message that you can't hear being broadcast in the spiritual realm around you to your enemy. What is the message saying? You don't have this one. You can't have her. Do you see that courage in her? That's there because you're doomed and she knows it. And she is saved and she knows it. Now, how long do you think your enemy is just going to keep hanging around with that kind of a message? Do you see why when we resist the devil, he has to flee? Do you see how powerful being fearless is? All right, we got to move on here. Third thing that we need to know to have courage is that you can get it from others. And there's a story in Acts about Paul. At this time, Paul was a prisoner. Uh, he was on his way to Rome. He was going to stand trial there because he had been preaching the gospel. And when the believers who lived in Rome heard that Paul was coming to them, they actually left Rome and went out to meet him. And Acts 28, verse 14, it says, So we went toward Rome, and from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Oppi Forum and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. All right, now these towns that the believers went to from Rome were 52 and 33 miles from Rome. That's a long way to walk. 
but they wanted to come and encourage Paul. And when Paul saw them coming, we read he thanked God and took courage. He took courage. See, these believers didn't just come out to Paul and dump courage on him against his will. Paul had to receive what was being offered to him. He had to take it. Have you ever tried to encourage someone who was just determined to be miserable? Maybe you've been that way yourself when someone has tried to encourage you. Do you know you're not going to get courage by choosing misery? You have to receive what is being offered because courage won't force itself on you. You have to take it. And if you've trained all of your friends to be careful what they say to you, to avoid speaking the truth to you, even if it would impart courage, because they don't like the reaction that they're going to get from you, you have only harmed yourself. Sometimes we need a kick in the pants. And do you know when I call my friends wanting to give up on whatever I'm going through, do you know what I want them to say to me? You are not giving up. You are stronger than this. Remember what the word of God says. And let, in fact, let me remind you, I want my friends to speak truth to me, to impart the courage that I need. So don't answer every attempt to encourage you with, yeah, but, and then state every reason why you can't receive it. Have some people in your life who you allow to speak the truth to you. Listen, not everybody. Some people really aren't good at it. <laughs> but there are people in your life, many of them seated around your table, who have earned the right to speak truth to you, truth that would encourage you. Don't shut them out. Don't shut it down. Receive what they're offering to you. Don't get mad at them. All right. Fourth thing we can do is we can encourage ourselves. Now, there are times when there is nobody to encourage you. And David faced a situation like this in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And at the time of this story, David was not yet the king of Israel. Saul still was. David and his men were on the run. They were hiding in the wilderness from Saul and his army because Saul wanted to kill him. So David and his men set up camp in a city called Ziklag. They left their families there. They went off to a battle. They came back, and they found out the camp had been burned to the ground. Their wives, their children, all of their possessions taken. Now, of course, they were devastated. And these men, loyal followers of David, had likely encouraged him countless times before. But this time, they didn't have any courage to give him. They had lost all of their own. In fact, they began to talk about stoning David. Now, David's reaction, his first reaction was that he wept until he had no more tears to weep. So he didn't deny that there was a problem here. But once he had grieved, he did something remarkable. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David encouraged, some translations say strengthened himself in the Lord his God. See, so David went to the Lord and got courage directly from him. He had to. There was nobody to give him any. Nobody had any to give him. So he just went to God, and he got what he needed there. And as the story goes on, David and his men, they went out. They, they, they found the enemy. They won everything back, their families, their children, all their possessions, plus some extra. They got some spoil of war. So it all ended great because David got his courage from the Lord. Then he had it to give to his men. Then his men followed him into bed. You see, courage is contagious. This story would have ended very differently if David had not learned this essential skill of getting courage directly from God when, when there was nowhere else to get it. 
We need to learn this skill ourselves. All right, and the last thing we're going to talk about that we can get courage. This one's very important. We must major on God's love. Now, it has been said that courage isn't defined by the absence of fear, but by acting in spite of fear. Now, this is true. You can exhibit courage in spite of your fears. Many of us have had to, probably all of us have had to do that, and that's good. But that's not what God told Joshua to do. God said, Joshua, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Now, this seems impossible. And because it seems impossible, we live like it's impossible. We just think there's no way. So we disqualify ourselves from the fearless life that Jesus has invited us to because we just think it can't be done. We, we look at our verse that says we can laugh without fear of the future, and we think that isn't possible. But look at what John said. 1 John 4, 16 through 19. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. All right, so if all fear is cast out by love, all fear, then there is none left. None. So God said to Joshua, no fear, Joshua, courage and strength only. A woman of strength laughs without fear of the future. So God says, no fear, ladies, courage and strength only. All right, well, John tells us that we can have no fear when we know and believe the love that God has for us. He said if we will abide, dwell, remain, live in God and in his love, that his love will be perfected, completed, accomplished in us, and the love will chase away the fear. See, Joshua said that if you fear, it's because you've not been, yet been made perfect in love. So if you would say then that there's an area in your life where you experience fear, you know what you need is you need a greater revelation of the love of God for you in that area. Yes. Do you fear for your children? You need a revelation of God's love for your children. Do you fear for your future? Can I just tell you that God is intimately involved in your future? because he loves you so much. Do you fear for your health, your safety, your provision, whatever the fear is? Can you just picture bringing it to the Lord, setting it down next to his love for you? And in the brightness of that love, you won't even see the fear anymore. See, this is a different approach than what the world says, which is to face your fears. How can you have victory over something if you're staring at it? If I'm looking at what makes me afraid, guess what I'm going to be? Afraid. It's not going to do me a whole lot of good to stand there and say, I am not afraid of you. I am not afraid of you. Well, guess what? Yes, I am. That is not what God said to do here. 
We don't need to face our fears because our job is not to overcome our fears. It's to know and believe the love that God has for us. So see, if you could picture it, instead of facing my fears, I face God's love and then I let his love face my fear for me. It's a different approach. Do you know this is not unattainable? You really can live this way. God would not ask this of you if it were not possible. Trust him. Wear your armor. Stand your post. Get your courage back, either from other people or get it from God directly. And above all else, focus on God's love. Make it your aim to have a revelation of love until your experience is that you have absolutely no fear because the love of God has chased it all away. Sound good? All right, let's do it. Uncertainty is absolutely nothing when you know how much God loves you. All right, discuss. Thank you.